Don't just long that God take away the circumstance. Long that through the circumstance, your worship ignites. That's hope as he does something amazing and healing in your life. Amen, man. It's great to be here with you. And uh, Fourth of July weekend, right? Some of you are just kind of waking up, aren't you? I know. Like last night was awesome. It was great to be out for the Fourth of July stuff. The fireworks going off all over the place. I don't know what you think about it, but with the absence of all the cities doing fireworks, everybody decided to fill in their own fireworks, and I was actually enjoying it. We had our uh, kids over. We had the family over last night. We were sitting outside just watching fireworks going off all over the place, and uh, dude, some of those were huge. Like, I am not sure where they got them, but they were going off big, and it was a huge opportunity for us to celebrate and take a moment to remember this country that we have and so appreciating what we do have in it. And uh, man, this is the, uh, a land of freedom. And uh, there are moments where we may feel like that's being crimped on heavily. But the reality is we have a God who's working mightily. And all of God's people said, no, no. And all of God's people said, man, let's fill it big in this room. We're here for one reason today. And that's not to just celebrate that we have a country. It's to celebrate that we have a God with an eternal plan. That's what we're going after. And we're in a series called Hope That Heals. Hope That Heals. And uh, in the middle of talking through this series, each week is about hope, not, you know, not like, well, I hope so, not like that, we've really watered that word down, but hope, like, I am absolutely certain that this is true, hope that heals, and each week is a different facet of things we can be certain about in our God. Today, we're going to be looking at really one problem word, uh, the word sinful, sinful, like we struggle with our own selves, with our own selfishness with our own heartache, and in the middle of wrestling with our own weaknesses, know this, God has an answer. And so the hope, in the middle of our sinfulness, hope that he saves me. Hope that he saves me. So our celebration today, our focus is going to be on salvation, all right? So turn with me, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. First point, praise your God for salvation and provision. Praise your God for salvation and provision. And, uh, this is all about bringing our worship to our King for all that He has and all that He gives to us. Praise your God for salvation and provision. Now, we're starting out in 1 Peter here a couple weeks back. Pastor Mark was in 2 Peter. And uh, both of these books written by the Apostle Peter... Peter actually has this big focus in trying to help the people he's writing with different pieces that are going on. First Peter chapter one, or First Peter, very different than Second Peter. And the focus in First Peter is trying to help those who are suffering. In fact, if you look at verse one, it says he's writing to the dispersion. Those people that were uh, pushed out, they were Jews who believed in Jesus Christ. They felt their lives at risk. They ended up moving on, going to another place, trying to reestablish their hope. And they were suffering in the midst. They were like, we're out of here. We got to get to another place. And maybe that's sort of like, I'm done with Illinois. I got to move to another state. And what they found when they moved to Texas or wherever they decide to go to, the reality is they're finding the heat is up there too. That's what they were finding. Very similar to some of what our people are experiencing today here and now. And the reality is this dispersion came with much suffering. And so Peter has some statements about how we suffer well and how we keep eternity in perspective. 
So here we go. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We'll just hold there. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like, let's praise our God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we celebrate the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords, God Almighty. He is worthy. Everybody just say, he is worthy. He is worthy. Say it louder, say it bigger. He is worthy. Don't miss that, man. When we go through this daily life and we hit the daily struggles and the things that frustrate, it's so easy to lose sight of the fact that our God is worthy of being praised and blessed. When you see that word blessed, it means like your heart focuses on my God is awesome. It means your words are focused on my God is awesome. It means you are willing to celebrate him in all that he is. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is worthy according to his great mercy. According to his great mercy. What kind of mercy? Great. Don't miss it. God's love poured out in great fashion. According to his great mercy. Now that word means the withholding of punishment. This is where God could have rightly dealt with our sin. With punishment and separation but chose instead to bless with his great mercy. God giving us what we didn't deserve, God withholding what we do deserve. God has a plan for forgiveness. It says, according to his great mercy, a huge facet of his love poured out into our life. It says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Don't miss it. The work of God in salvation is massive. God is absolutely sovereign when it comes to salvation. He has everything to do with it. John chapter 6 says, whom the Father draws will come. God absolutely has a key role in salvation. And here it says he causes us to be born again. Know this, God has an active role in salvation. And if you trust in Jesus Christ, if you believe that Jesus is risen from the dead, If you believe that, if you're willing to say, you're in charge of my life, you're God to me, please take over, you're Lord. Dude, that's saved. Just so you know, it says God caused that. God caused that born again. God moving in that. It's a huge deal that your God works in your life to bring salvation. Now, don't miss it though. It doesn't mean that God's doing all the work. We do nothing, right? In scripture, we see God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. We are called to believe. We are called to confess. We are called to follow through. And as God does a work where he begins to work in our soul, he tears the veil off. He begins to reveal who Christ is. He awakens our heart. He calls us forward. He's drawing us out. Yes, all that. And we respond with, Lord God, I'm excited to be worshiping you. I'm celebrating that I can take a step with you. Yes, it's God's sovereignty, and yes, it is our responsibility and this huge privilege of being called to salvation. It says, caused to be born again. Now, that phrase, born again, is it's really a metaphor. And uh, now when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, and he talked about it, and he said, you need to be born again, Nicodemus didn't catch that. He was like, how can someone be born again? 
What does this mean to go back into the mother's womb? How does this happen, right? And he's like, didn't get it. Jesus could have said, dude, it's a metaphor. Catch up, right? Could have absolutely had that little talk. But the reality is he's saying there is a physical birth, yes, but there is a spiritual birth that awakens you and alivens you. It brings you forward with your God, born again. Man, that's when we believe Jesus is risen. That's when we say, you're in charge, take over in my life. It is an awesome celebration of God at work in our lives and hearts. It says, God caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to a living hope. What kind of hope? Living hope. Don't miss it. We have a hope that can have life attached to it. Notice it does not say to a living hope through Jesus' death on the cross. It doesn't say that. Let that settle for a moment. It doesn't say we have a living hope through Jesus' death on the cross. Jesus' death on the cross is awesome. And his death actually covers our sin. We can have a payment for our sin so that we can be forgiven. That is awesome that he died. But so much more than that. And three days later, he rose again from the dead. Get this, man. Jesus Christ is alive. And all of God's people said... Amen, man, absolutely huge. Your God lives. And because of it, we have a living hope. We are looking to the God who conquers sin. And we are looking to the God who conquers death. He brings life and life eternal. Man, it is so easy for us to get so wrapped up into the broken things in this world that wash on our shore that annoy and we lose sight that God is doing something eternal and living in our lives. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, huge deal, man, living hope that we have through Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead. It says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Man, this is talking all about heaven and the eternity that we have with our God in heaven. Just hear me on this. We're going to be talking about having uh, three weeks at the end of this series. As we close this out, end of July, beginning of August, we're going to be walking through heaven and Revelation 21 and 22. We're going to be doing a little bit of a study there on what is this eternal hope? And I'm telling you what, I am fired up to get to this conversation. I am telling you, we can talk all about the hope in the here and now in this broken world, but know this, we have a God who is managing all of eternity all of eternity. And what is that like? It says it's imperishable. It will not go away, right? Absolutely will not stop. Undefiled. There's an absolute purity. No sin, no pain, no sorrow, no heartache. By the way, a little bit of the reason that God has to deal with my sin here and now is because when we get to heaven, if I walked in with my sin, I would ruin the place and it would instantly be called defiled, right? It is undefiled, meaning every single person there is in absolute glory and perfection because of the work that God is doing in our lives and we are in a place of absolute sinless perfection. Praise be to God. Never ends. Absolute perfection. No pain, no sorrow, no heartache, no sin. And it says, and un fading. Hear me on this. When it comes to heaven, you will be blown away. You will be absolutely stunned with what God has in store. 
absolutely stunned and joyful for the rest of your life. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, they used to always say, man, it's, heaven's going to be awesome. We're going to be worshiping all the time. And I translated that into, we're going to be singing all the time. And I was like, well, four songs is great, but after four songs, then what? Like, I need a little break. Seriously, that's all we're going to do is sing? Like, what's going on? And I'm just telling you this right now. It's going to be, yes, singing. Unleashed singing, absolutely. But so much more. Know this, man. God is a designer. God is a builder. God is a creator. He's going to be doing things that will blow our minds. Like, watch what we're going to build next. He's going to be structuring things where our jaw is dropped. Every day, it is going to be absolute satisfaction. We are going to be stunned with his next plan and move. God is going to blow us away with heaven. Don't miss it. If heaven to you seems like it's boring, you haven't caught what heaven's all about. And I'm just telling you, all right, a little bit of a weird transition here, but Disney Plus, have you heard of that? All right. And uh, so a couple of our kids got Disney Plus and they allowed us to be able to watch a little bit on that. And I started watching Imagineering stuff. And there's like, I forget, six episodes or something. I forget what it is. But they're walking through all the different genius designs to all the different Disney parks and what was going on with it. It is fascinating to watch this Imagineering stuff and see the brilliance of what they were creatively developing and how they went about it. Dude, I'm just telling you, that was just human being thought. Can you imagine when God blows us away with his Imagineering? When he's like, take a look at this heaven. It is going to be unfading for all eternity, completely satisfying. That is where we're headed. Man, if you trust Christ as Savior, eternity with total satisfaction. Ready? Don't miss the uptake. And all of God's people said, huge deal, man. May we celebrate the eternity we have with him, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It says, kept in heaven for you. John 14 says that Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he's like, just so you know, when I go away, I'm going to be preparing a place for you, keeping it in heaven. God's structuring that place, and he's got a place for you. If you trust Christ as Savior, set aside to drop your jaw for the rest of eternity. God building that place for you. May God get all the glory. He says that he's keeping it in heaven, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. God is guarding through faith. He is guarding. Now remember in the beginning it said he was causing us to be born again. And now it says he's guarding it. I'm just telling you, this couldn't be a stronger passage for eternal security. God beginning a work in you, and then God carrying it all the way through to the end. Absolute completion. Making sure that you will follow through all the way to the end and be going home to glory with your God. Man, if you trust in Jesus Christ, God will be guaranteeing a work all the way through to the end. Secure in Jesus Christ. This is a huge deal that God guards it. God begins to grow our faith and assure us of who he is and walk us along a path so that we are getting ever stronger, one degree of glory at a time, headed towards eternity when he delivers us home forever to absolute salvation and absolute joy. Now you might be like, how does he do that? That's point number two. 
That's what we're going to get at is how does God go after this in guaranteeing and guarding? How does he grow our faith and shape us? And God's got a lot of detail in the passage here for us to see. Guarding, huge deal. You know, there was a city, they had a 300-year-old tree. True story. They had a 300-year-old tree there. And uh, actually, it was like the pride of the town. People loved being able to show off this tree from the town. They, they had people from other towns come around. Actually, people from other states It was, had some pictures taken of it. I mean, it was this huge, majestic tree, massive, like you could barely get your arms around one side, let around the whole trunk. Dev, definitely not that. And this tree, so majestic and stately, uh, where it sat in the city limits, and people would come in and see that and be awed by the city and how well they cared for it. 300 years old, man, let that settle. It was like 50 years before the American Revolution. Right? They were able to come up to a tree that 50 years into the American Revolution, as the American Revolution started, that tree was 50 years old. Now it's 300. And they're in awe of it. Well, one day, huge, huge storm hit. Big winds. Lots of the littler trees were all torn up and thrown all over the place. And this big, huge tree was knocked down. And they couldn't believe it. They're like, what in the world happened? When they went over, it actually laid over the top of a road. So they went over to the, the tree on the road and they started cutting it up to try to clear out so they could have at least traffic going through the city. And when they started cutting it, they noticed that inside it had been completely eaten away by bugs. Definitely decades, maybe even a century of the bugs eating away at this. And this massive trunk was actually just a hollow shell and what was inside was almost empty from the bugs eating it all the way up and down. This scripture is saying this, God will not let that happen to your soul. God will not let that happen to your faith. Know this, what God has caused to happen, being born again, God will absolutely guard, protect, and grow one degree of glory at a time. Your faith getting ever stronger no tearing up the inside so that the littlest wind comes along and you get knocked down. Not that. And all of God's people said, and God guarding our soul, may we praise him and lift his name up. Simple question. So how are you doing on the daily walk of life being able to put an eternal focus in play? How are you doing at being able to worship your God and praise him and say, you are worthy. Thank you for the salvation that I have that is going to last for eternity. How are you doing at grasping how long that is? How unfading that is? How glorious that is? And take some time to be blown away with God's plan. May we praise his name for what he's doing for eternity, right? That's point number one. Point number two, worship. Worship with endurance as your faith is tested by fire. Worship with endurance as your faith is tested by fire. It says, in this you rejoice. In what? Well, everything we just talked about. In the fact that God causes salvation, in the fact that God is guarding that salvation and growing your faith, in the fact that God has absolutely got a plan for you and this heaven, this imperishable and undefiled and unfading, all of that, because of that, rejoice and make sure it's celebration that's happening in your heart and on your lips. 
make much of your God. In this you rejoice, though now for a little, time, a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved. Does that well describe your last four months? Right? I mean, as we have this stuff wash on our shore, as we have the pains and the problems, the questions, the desires for things to be different, and we're like, God, why is this so? God, why aren't you, God, why are you even letting this wash on our shore? Lord, what is the plan? And in the midst of it, it says, if necessary, please hear me, don't miss this. Our sinfulness makes it necessary. Right? Our broken hearts, us needing to be grown up, so God lets things wash on our shore to be able to grow us up and wake us up to who he is. And this is a huge deal and don't miss it. We as human beings, notice I did not say we as Americans, we as human beings do not do well when we just get to sit back and relax. Did you know that? When we just sit back and relax, everything just starts to get soft. And we start to get naturally softer. And we start to just kind of lean back. And we get real good with doing little instead of much. Just so you know, God guarantees and guards the work that he's done in our heart. And he's not going to let that happen. So guess what happens? He lets things wash on our shore that keep us always just a little bit leaning in. Working on something. Taking a look at something. As God washes it in and he's beginning to do something deep within our soul to change us, shape us, and get us stronger. One degree of glory at a time. Your God loves you. And he's guarding your heart when he does it. I know we don't want to admit that. But as he's letting that wash on the shore and he's letting it purify our heart and challenge us, it is literally making your faith stronger. Praise be to God. This is how he guards. One wave at a time, washing on our shore and challenging us. It says that we actually rejoice in this, although for a little while, if necessary, we may be grieving because of the various trials. These trials are those outside sources washing on. And then he says, so that, purpose statement, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, now I'm going to skip the next phrase, we'll come back to it, so the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that our faith being tested and grown one little bit at a time, allows us at the end when Jesus Christ is returning, that we can literally be pointing to him and saying, that is my king. That we can be celebrating, that's my God. That's who I have been worshiping. May we be a light and a beacon in this world that as we live moment by moment, we are pointing to Jesus Christ and we are making much of him. Ready? And all of God's people said... Don't miss it, man. We have a calling to allow God to begin to shape our hearts one wave of frustration after another. God knows what he's doing. As he's waking us up and he's giving us a hope for eternity in him. This is a huge deal. Now let's go back. It says that this, we have this faith tested genuinely and found 
genuine. How? Well, it gives a little statement about gold here. It says, more precious than gold, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. More precious than gold, though it perishes. I love this. He's talking about physical wealth. And he's like, you know, physical wealth fades. It goes away. Physical wealth just disappears over time. It does. The reality is spiritual wealth is something different. And he's like, just so you know, gold, although it's awesome, even it has a shelf life. And notice how gold is made. He uses a little example here of the tested by fire. That the fire, the heat is raised up on the gold. That this gold, as it's raised up, the gold heating up becomes a liquid. And as it becomes a liquid, the dross literally kind of rises to the top. And then you come across and you scoop that off. It's sort of this grayish silver. You scoop it off and you throw it aside. And now the gold is left much more pure. And as you cool it down, it gets more solid and it's more pure. That's gold being purified. And God's like, just so you know, that's your heart being purified too. Just so you understand, same thing. I'm going to put a little bit of heat on. It's going to heat your faith up. It's going to make things maybe a little bit liquidy. And there's going to be the dross that rises to the top. And God's going to scoop that off and take it aside. And then he's going to let it cool down. And it's going to be more pure. God guaranteeing your heart to be strong and fully following through on what he began. That's what God is doing. Our God at work in our life, one heated trial at a time, as he begins to take the dross out. May God get all the glory. It says that we may be found to result in praise and glory and honor in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Please don't miss this. Your king, Jesus Christ, is coming again. And all of God's people said, he is coming physically, he is coming bodily, he is coming to reign forever. Hear me on this. We are wrestling right now with politics and all that's going on in this world. And we would love to see a leader step in who could, and then you fill in the blank, however you so like. But I'm telling you this, we are going to have a king who reigns forever. And as he reigns over all of us, we will absolutely be giving him the full praise and honor and glory. Complete satisfaction, utter perfection, not one mistake as he leads forever. Cannot wait for that time. And all of God's people said, don't miss it, man, that's heaven. It is absolutely gorgeous plan. As Christ returns and he puts things in their place and he takes over forever. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. I love that Peter's talking to them. And he's like, I know you haven't run into Jesus. I have. Peter was talking. I have, but I know you haven't. And the fact that you haven't run into Jesus didn't stop you loving him. That, that you were able to understand the truth of who he was, that you believed in him, you counted on him, and you made much of him. Man, that you love Jesus Christ. That's when you say, I'm giving you my heart, take over. That's when you say, you're in charge. And we love him when we obey him, right? John chapter 15. If we love him, we will obey him. He's in charge. He's like, it's awesome that you're obeying him and you haven't even met him. He says, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. It's like you are believing in him and you haven't seen him. And you're not seeing him now. 
That's exactly where we are right now today. Our God is a God of spirit. He moves in this world and he does impact souls one heart at a time, one soul at a time, one power at a time, one transformation at a time. God doing an amazing work. And yet at the same time, not physically just right in front of me so that I can see him in a physical way. God doing something huge in the spiritual realm. Please hear me. We are not primarily physical beings with a little bit of a spiritual side. We are spiritual beings with a little bit of a physical side. You hearing me? It's a huge deal. God is spirit. And we're going after worshiping our God with spirit and longing for him to get the glory. May we love him with all we've got. May we align with everything he's saying. May we let him do a work one trial at a time as we struggle with him and allow it to be done his way. It says, though you do not now see him, you believe and you rejoice with joy inexpressible. Don't know that I could ever do justice to the word joy. The highest happiness we can come up with, the biggest satisfaction that we have, just know, multiply that by 10 million and then repeat it every day forever. That's heaven. Inexpressible joy. Absolutely incomparable. Nothing like it. Man, may we not make this little broken world our whole thing we're looking at. May we look to the heaven beyond and our God who has it in hand. May we trust him with all we've got. And all of God's people said, don't miss that. Incomparable. He says at the end, obtaining the outcome of our faith, the salvation of your souls. Obtaining the salvation of our souls. Being able to experience perfection when we drop sin. I can't even imagine what it's going to feel like when selfishness is gone completely can't even imagine. It's going to be stunning. Can't wait for it. God, come Lord Jesus, come quickly, right? There was a woman who was uh, getting ready to do a long swim. Her name was Florence Chadwick, and uh, it was the 4th of July, 1951. So a long time ago yesterday, right? 4th of July, 1951, getting ready to go after this. Now, she had swum the English Channel several times, like there and back. And uh, so she was trying now to swim from Catalina Island to the California coast. Uh, If you've ever been out to California, you know about how far that is. The Catalina Island to the California coast. That was the plan. Got out there on the 4th of July, started to swim, and the whole weather changed. And these big clouds rolled in and this dark gloom and mist everywhere. This heavy fog set in. She could barely see. The wind was blowing. The waves were chopping. It was freezing cold water. And she's trying to cut through it as she's swimming. And she went for a couple of hours trying to get there and just wasn't getting it. And in fact, because of the heavy fog, couldn't see anything. Wasn't even sure if she was on the right line. So she finally just raised her hand and a guy that was in a boat alongside just to make sure she was safe came up and uh, helped her in the boat, and she said, I'm done. And as they started to go towards uh, the California coast, it didn't take but just a minute or so, and all of a sudden she saw the coast, and she could see how close she was and what was going on. She said, I'll never do that again. I'm absolutely going to fight through this. And so she went back and tried it again a couple months later, and uh, she started from Catalina Island and started swimming. Same exact thing happened. Heavy fog set in, 
big wind, heavy chop waves, freezing cold. She's swimming through this, and as she's grinding it out, going after it, as she's trying to get there, she's about at the same spot a couple hours in, complete fatigue, ready to quit. She's thinking, this is right about where I raised my hand last time. I know about where I am, and I'm looking back and forth, and I think I've got, so I'm just going to try to drive through it. And she kept her eyes forward, and she just kept taking a stroke after stroke, just a few more, And all of a sudden, a little bit of the fog was just thin enough that she could see the California coast. She's like, I got it. And she started driving and grinding straight for it. She ended up getting to the California coast. She made it, made it across. And I'm just telling you, there's one reason she made it. She fixed her eyes on the horizon and she knew what she was driving for and she went after it. Man, may we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our good faith, May we anchor in on the eternity that he has in store. May we recognize that we are eternal spiritual beings headed for a glory we can barely understand. May God get all the glory. We have a living hope. And all of God's people said, just say living hope as loud as you can. Louder and bigger. We have a living hope in Jesus Christ. As we live the daily trials and the little washings on the shore, know this, that's not God failing in your life. That is God guarding and strengthening up your faith that he might deliver you to the end and ready to go into eternity for an absolute perfection and glory forever. And all of God's people said, let's pray.